welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. It's a rough world we live in, this thing that is 2020. How about some escapism? We are almost done with book one, our first story arc, and that, my friends, is a big deal and a good time to tell your friends about us. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes arrive to the happening place of House Lunari, only to be slightly insulted by the very direct Gina Lunari. And uh, you're uh, you're the carpenter who thinks she's a baroness. <laughs> Welcome to the Lunari estate. I just I give her a little nod. Cora Lunari, Silpha's cousin, was first introduced way back at the Matron Brathy's funeral at a house mentor ball where Sable was named Baroness, where she rolled a nat twenty to dance with Cora, who appeared to be pretty forward and madly in love. Cora takes Sable on a whirlwind tour of the estate. And she's, I'm guessing she's dragging me along before I get to do anything but look, right? I mean, I assume you're you are probably stunned. Yes. So yeah, you're getting pulled down the hallway. Silpha gave a formal pitch to trade her dowry for a necklace of intense emotional significance that would be used as a component for the creation of the Thorns Cutting Golem. I have studied transmutation magic because it is fundamentally about the power of change, and change is what we need. But in order to bring about that change, what I need is an investment in our future. Sable rolled an insight high enough to detect some serious nervousness and lies around the family's relationship with fairies. Did a fairy put a curse on me that I would turn into an ogre or a hag or something if I'm not married by 19? He does not seem to recover from his concern. Wait, when she talks about like fairy curses <laughs> turning her into her, her into a hag if she doesn't get oh, married no. at th- that point? Yes. Cora continues some high-pressure flirting with Sable and starts to look like perhaps it's an assassination attempt against Sable, who was recently targeted by the Archdruid of the Circle of the Land. 16. She takes this very positively and says, okay, well, I will see you in the morning. Okay, great. Cora's in the Circle of the Land, isn't she? She very much is. Uh, but I don't know that. Sable confronts Gina Lunari, the straight-talking blue-collar co-matron of House Lunari, and it doesn't go well at all when Gina's insults send Sable into a meltdown and we end on this narrator message. As our camera pans away from the grove, we see Sable sobbing with quill and paper, alone in a small semicircle of perfectly symmetrical trees. If she were less distracted, she would know she's sitting in the personal grove of the second most powerful member of the Circle of the Land, an heir to the Lunari estate, Cora Lunari. As fields rush by in a flurry of motion in the late of the evening, a perfect circle of stone sits just outside of town. It was not there before. In the center of this circle is Master Wu, archdruid of the Circle of the Land. Master Wu comes too and looks around to see a dozen townsfolk, fresh from the fairy wilds, holding makeshift weapons. In their eyes, a mix of terror and anticipation, as they each use a few hours of the service they promised the Fairy Queen. Alright, let's get back to it. I'm Nate, and I will be your dungeon master. I'm Sandra, I play Sable the Druid. I'm Julie, I play Sylpha the Wizard. I'm Mandy, I play Jalen the Rogue. When last we left our heroes, y'all were essentially in a bunk bed servant's quarters room at the country estate of House Lunari. And Sable had just left, saying she was going for a walk. Yes. And I had just finished transcribing a letter for Jalen. 
I guess her question when we finish that, is there a way to magically deliver this or do we have to send it physically? Mm, no, I haven't mastered any of those kind of means of communication. But I trust Katie, who you were talking to at supper, I believe. All right. Yeah, she seemed hurt and eager. She's very fast. <laughs> All right. Would her being the delivery person send off an immediate tip of where we are? No, I mean, she delivers messages everywhere. She does primarily deliver from our home, so you're right. It could be a tip-off. I could have her pass it to another messenger, but then... No, let's just send it through her. That's fine. If you trust her, then I'll trust her. Well, I'll, I'll go upstairs and find Katie to have her deliver this as soon as possible. I don't know if you're in the mood to stay in or have a distraction, but I could make a formal introduction of you to my Aunt Melise. She would love to hear your ideas about the orphanage, I am sure. Yeah, let's do that. I could use a distraction, too. So, Silpha and Jalen will wander upstairs. We're gonna go find Katie to ask her to deliver it. Okay, you head into the dining room, which is now almost completely cleaned of tables. There are chairs around the outside, and Lord and Lady Mason are still deep in conversation that seems to be very business-oriented with Gina Lunari and Melise Lunari. It looks like Hanzo and Vanessa probably went home. At least they're not here anymore. You see Katie, she's playing the fiddle and lots of people are dancing. There are a few other people who have pulled out instruments. Someone's playing the jugs. <laughs> Silpha will skip up to Katie with the letter she's composed and says, Katie, a delivery, please, for first thing tomorrow. And she will put some money into her fiddle case and tuck the letter into a bag pocket. Cool. Katie does not stop playing. She just nods at you. Her Everything Katie plays is also up-tempo. She's a hyperactive person. I'm imagining her actually playing, like, Irish jig. That's probably accurate. Whoever is playing the jugs is trying really hard to keep up with her. They're all practically turned purple. So next, Silpha will head over to the table where everyone was seated, towing Jalen alongside, and she'll wait for a, a pause in their conversation to say, Auntie Mel, I've been meaning to make a formal introduction to you of my friend Jalen Evans. Jalen has some ideas for something I think would be very dear to your heart. She would like to found a proper orphanage in this town, one that isn't simply a place to feed and clothe people, but to educate them and give them trades and value. Aunt Melise sort of gets a big smile and says, I would love to talk about that. She immediately stops the conversation at the table, stands up, loops an arm through Jalen's elbow, and starts not quite dragging you off, but you're definitely being pulled aside. Yay. Jalen will come along for the ride. She's also going to attempt to I don't know if this would be an insight role, but she wants to get a beat on how Melise, the best way to sort of treat with her. So, Jalen, you can give me a quick insight role as you're being let off. Ooh, that was a good one. A 17. Cool. You get an extremely skeptical eye roll from Gina. Oh, okay. And Melise seems interested. So is she taking me like out of the room to a private room, or are we just off to the side? Yeah, well, to a quieter place for sure. Okay. You end up in, it's a very small study. It's definitely like, the noble studies you've been in are usually twice this size. It's not very big at all. Mm -hmm. But it is way overly full. 
of perfectly organized binders. Uh-huh. This is a business room. This is the business room. Okay. And there's definitely not room for a copier. It's clearly it's clear that Melise is in here alone a lot. So you get kind of squeezed into this room. It's uncomfortably close because there's just not enough space in here. And she says, so, orphanage, you say? She says, well, I don't know how well you know Lord Evans or how familiar you are with House Evans. And she'll kind of leave that hanging. The leather working and trappings, yes. And she pulls a binder down and sets it out on her little work desk and flips it open. And she says, I believe this is a catalog of every orphan I've managed to find. Wow, you're uh, very meticulous. House Lunari grows its influence by rescuing societies lost and damned. What do I call you? Do I call you Mrs. Lunari? Do I, which is confusing because that's what I call Vanessa. If you're serious about this orphanage thing, you can call me Mel. Thank you. Thank you. That's really kind of you. Mel, Lord Evans is likely to reach out to the Lunari family in the near future because we've been talking about the massive advantages to be had for joining the two families together to work together. Hmm. And the orphanage is one aspect of that. There are other aspects that I have to leave to him to open with you. But the orphanage is important to me because I I was adopted hmm. from orphan status, she words very carefully. And the upbringing and the education and the love that I was given obviously had a very lasting impact on my life and the way my life went. And I don't know why we couldn't do that on a larger scale for the numerous children who wind up in the streets because their parents were thorn cutters. So she reaches into a cupboard and pulls out a fresh binder. You can tell there's no ink smears on it anywhere. You know it's blank. Mm -hmm. And she flips it open and says, All right, I think that it should be centrally located. So I'm guessing we're going to need a building as our primary investment to start off with, yes? Well, we actually have some real estate. It's not conventional, and it will need a lot of work to be suitable for children. We don't technically own it. Hmm. But we've occupied it for a long time. I see. Is it a, a warehouse or a... Well, Mel, it's the sewer. <laughs> Her head, like, does a, like a, a real quick 45 degree, like, what the... And she says, okay. Well, we're definitely not going to keep orphans in a sewer. Lord Mentor would certainly have opinions about, well, you occupying it to begin with. But... She says, there is a law, interestingly enough, that if you stay in a building for a certain number of years and no one contests your occupation of it, you can claim ownership of the, the building. Now, it won't give you ownership of the land. Whoever's the owner of the land could still kick you out of it. But they would have to compensate you for the, you know, walls and work you put into it, that sort of thing. So, if you have evidence that you've occupied the sewer... If Lord Mentor didn't want you in there, he might provide us a surface building in place of it. Okay. 
there is also an unused barn near the Evans property. It would not be in town proper, but it is large and it is unused. Hmm. Well, we will jot down some ideas here, and she writes out on a piece of paper a number and hands it over to you and says, this is what I think we'll need for starting capital. It's about 200 gold, which is more than a not-noble house is going to pull together. It's not out of reach for the Evans family. It's not out of reach for the Evans family, but it's not a small investment either. Okay. All right. She will say, well, I'm, I am happy to pass this on to him. I think the arrangements and negotiations along those lines are going to happen between you and Lord Evans, not between you and me. Oh, well, I want you to know that if Lord Evans is as passionate as this on this topic as you are, I am eager to speak with him. If he is not, for whatever reason, this is something you're more passionate about, I would much rather work with you. I'm not interested in feeding your father's ego with a pity project. We are here to make the world a better place. If I can speak plainly, Mel, he's not my father. Everybody calls him that except for me, so that seems like I maybe could share that with you. I, I apologize. I'm making a lot of assumptions, and I'll tell you, I don't, I don't know much about politics. I leave that to my sister. So you tell me what I need to know, and I will operate with that. He thinks this is a good idea. I cannot vouch for how passionate he is for the idea, but he thinks it's a good idea. I don't control the money or the business end of House Evans' operations. He would probably be willing to be the fiscal agent to see this happen, hmm. but he would also probably the practical end of it up to you and me. I see. Well, I'm not opposed to an angel investor, but I don't want him trying to make decisions if he's not actually out for the best interest of the of the children. So let's just put that in writing when we get around to it. Yes, you will be the business partner. He will be the hands-off angel investor. Again, we'll have to discuss this with him. Tell you what, I will send a letter and arrange a meeting, and as soon as the three of us can get together, we will we will make this happen. Okay. All right. I don't know if Silpha has mentioned that our presence here, Sable's and my presence here, and probably Silpha's, needs to be kept quiet. Well, no, she hasn't mentioned that. I assumed you'd be staying here in defense of the Masons. Yes, and because we are assisting Lady Miev. Hmm. Well, I can't promise you good or glorious accommodations or servants or really anything reliable other than a bed. I don't... I wouldn't ask for anything else. Very well. A bed it is. And thank you for the bed. Yes, no problem. She picks up her, her binder and says... There are a lot of kids that need homes, and uh, if we do not step in, they will end up thorns cutters like their parents and live tragically short lives. Agreed. She slides the binder back onto the wall and then hands you the blank one and says, when you're ready, write down what money you can pull together 
And this will be our binder. We will make a business plan. Thank you, Mel. Jalen, if I can call you Jalen. Yes. Or would you prefer Lady Evans? No, I am no lady. Very well. Jalen, I look forward to this being a long and bountiful partnership. Don't let me down. You've got me excited. I will do my best. She says, well then, you should head back to the party. I'm going to tidy up here. You have no idea what could possibly be put more orderly than it already is, but she is clearly <laughs> going to reorganize a shelf. She is getting rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep, Jalen will take her leave and go back to the the big dining room. While that was happening, Silpha, what was your dining room experience like? So when Jalen departed with Aunt Melise, I guess I would have leaned into the table and realized that my parents weren't seated there, so I wasn't sure if I came up well. Aunt Gina was there or not. Yes, she had made it back to the table at this juncture. So her conversation with Sable has happened. Yes. The table rolls a little bit of insight, sees you looking around, and Miev says, your parents are having some sort of heated discussion. I believe they went that way. And she points back towards the hallway, towards kind of the foyer. So this is, like, raises an eyebrow and says, All right, is everything okay? I think so. Married people argue sometimes. Did I do something? She says, I doubt it very seriously. I will roll insight to try to read what's going on with the rest of the table. Sure. 17. Gina's pissy and has a chip on her shoulder about something. Miev seems unconcerned. She seems to have gotten all of the things she wanted tonight and is quite content and is just entertaining people like a good lady should. Lord and Lady Mason are... They're a little difficult to read. They have a series of mixed emotions, almost as if they're refugees from their own house. They're probably still in shock processing that. Well, apparently my parents are having a heated discussion and Aunt Gina is pissy about something. Aunt, Aunt Gina, what's, what, like, like she, like, lowers her voice to, like, try and, and I'm like, what's wrong? Did, did I do something? Sorry? No, Silpha, you, you didn't do anything. There's an issue that your parents have not dealt with in a long time and have sort of let stew in there at odds about what to do about it. But it, it doesn't have anything to do with you. You should roll me insight. Oh. Your DC is 16. And I got a 19. It has everything to do with you. Silva just looks straight at her and says, Right, of course. And then turns and says, They went that way? Yep. And Silva heads off that way. Okay. So you head out to the foyer, and you can hear coming from a side room a hushed conversation. What do you want to do? I'm gonna roll stealth to... Over here? Try to quietly listen first before entering the room. Sure. Not too bad. I got a 17. 17. Yeah, you can hear them. You automatically identify the voices as your parents. Your father is saying, honestly, I think we should tell her. She. It could be impactful. I, we don't know what she's going to go do with Miev. And your mother says, there's no reason to burden her with this garbage. And your father says, it's not garbage. And she says, no, it, it is garbage. She doesn't have to do anything different. And they 
appear to be in some kind of frustrated staring contest because it goes quiet for a few seconds. During the quiet second, she walks right in and she just goes straight in with, If there is information I should know that might impact my decisions, I should think that I would like to know. They both start, and your mother turns and says, Silpha, it's perfect timing. You can solve an argument for us. How many fairies do you know? <laughs> One. <laughs> you mean on a on a personal level? I know... When you say on a personal level, your mother immediately looks shocked and surprised. <laughs> <laughs> on a personal level, I'd say I want I know one fairly well. I've met dozens, and most recently, one invited me to tea. I don't plan on following up on the tea. Your father also suddenly looks like... He looks a little smug, and then he looks a little alarmed, and then he goes back to looking a little smug. <laughs> and he's like, see, I told you that she might... What do you mean you know several? Well, for one, there are fairies all over the kingdom. Invisible pixie spies in most places. Vanessa looks at Hanzo with this kind of cross look, and Hanzo says, How am I supposed to know they're there? They're invisible. And she looks back and says, so you're chatting with invisible fairies? No, I make a direct point of trying to keep the invisible fairies, most of them, out of my business. Your father chimes in with, who, who, who invited you to tea? Well, we were defending House Mason against its assault, and a Ladron bounty hunter introduced himself to me as E. Elamis and said that he should like to meet me to have tea at a fairy brothel. <laughs> Your dad and your mom look at each other, and she says, All right, you were right, you were right. And Hanzo says, Oh, shit. And they both sit down in a chair and say, Sweetie, you need to sit down. Oh, okay. It's time for the talk. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> she already knows about the birds and the bees. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, I... I thought we had the talk years ago. This is a slightly different talk. So, when a fairy creature loves a human very, very much, they <laughs> can produce a half-fairy offspring known as a changeling. They're called changelings because at some future point they can choose between being human and being a fairy. If they choose human, well, they become... 100% mundane. And your, your mother says, they become perfect, is what they become. Perfectly fine. And your father says, if a little boring. And your mother says, am I boring? And she says, you're an exception, dear. No, you're never boring. And your father says, so, however, fairies have a very different understanding of the world and its purposes. They tend to have a nature and a destiny, and they cannot vary from those. You've probably heard that they can't lie. There's, there are a number of disadvantages for being a fairy, but you don't age either, which sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And your mother says, that sounds boring. And Hansa says, and the other problem is, well, fairies tend to be betrothed automatically. They're sort of born as adults, and they, if they were going to have a love, that love is predefined. That sounds like the worst. Your mother and I both agree completely. 
and Vanessa gives a hearty nod. Now, we married for love, and our expectation is that you would marry for love. And, well, when you turn 21, you have the opportunity to choose whether you would like to be a fairy or a human. However, if you choose fairy, well, I'm afraid you'll be married to Elamis. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I'm just going to let you absorb that while I drink a soda, Julie. <laughs> Well, we did somewhat predict this. <laughs> yep. Off mic, we predicted this. I think Silpha is trying to grasp and process this, but on some level she's already made up her mind. Well, wow, that's... that's... that's a lot. I mean... Your father says, I was under the impression that you would never get anywhere near a fairy court or a number of fairies, so... I thought that this didn't matter, and I am sorry. It seems that that is not true. Well, from the experience I do have with fairies, I wouldn't want to be one. Your mother looks a little satisfied. Your father looks a little disappointed. And he says, well, the problem with the local fairies is they're all, well, they're tied to the fairy queen, and she is, well, she's a different creature altogether. Papa, are, are you a fairy? Well, you've noticed I can't lie, right? I mean, I'm really, I really just can't do it. Here, let me show you, because I told your mother I wouldn't tell you. And your mother kind of like face palms, and he he goes to pull his shirt off. And you're you've seen your dad with his shirt off. He's a carapist beetle man. What you have not seen is his back plates unfold and gigantic beetle wings unfold out of them, and he flaps them and lifts himself about three feet off the ground, and the the air current is sufficient to absolutely destroy this room. And then he sets himself back down on the ground and folds them back in. Silva just kind of looks down at her hands and... Oh, wow, I, I have so many questions. I I don't even know where to start. I think your mother chimes in first and says, well, sweetie, if you stop consorting with fairies, there's nothing to worry about. You can just live your life. And so, I mean, that makes your decision very easy, doesn't it? I'm not deliberately consorting with fairies. I, they're around. I mean, look, the most important thing to me right now is this project. I want to find a way to see what is beyond the thorns for myself and, and for everyone. Look, I have the means, I have the power within myself to leave this place now. But I can't. I, I wouldn't want to go out there alone. Your dad says, sweetie, I understand completely. I could leave, but I'd have to leave your mother. I just, I want to see what's beyond there, because I've always felt like there, there's, there's this part of this world that I'm missing, and I need to see it for myself to know myself and know what I want. That's why I don't want to marry anyone. How could I marry anyone if I don't even know what I want for myself? And your mother sort of chimes in and says, sometimes it just comes down to making a decision. I didn't know what I wanted, and then I met your father. And your father says, I think you should just follow your heart, sweetie. I didn't mean to complicate it with this. I really didn't. No, you're just my papa, who happens to be a fairy. Yes. 
And I will have you know, Summer Court, no affiliation with the Fairy Queen. Is that why her minions are not present here? I guess to put it another way, welcome to the Summer Embassy. So, I mean, if I did become a fairy, I wouldn't have to go live in the Fae, would I? No, although most do. It's very difficult to be a fairy in this world. I mean, like, I'm a pretty good guard, but, uh, well, everybody thinks I'm a little too nice on the criminals. You always see the good in people, Papa. Never change. Hmm. Well, I can't, literally. (laughs) 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 Therein lies the problem, dear. People tend to eventually figure out there's something not quite human about you. The nice thing about this kingdom is everybody has weird traits and bug pieces and all kinds of stuff. Bug pieces. Bug pieces. <laughs> What's wrong with you, bug pieces? <laughs> Do you get to decide what your destiny is? No. No, no. There aren't that many changelings, dear, but when they decide, their nature becomes set. If you were to go to the fairy court today and declare your fairiness, you'd probably sprout wings and be a bit fuzzier, and your eyes might be a bit bigger, but I think you'd be beautiful, and, well, you'd be the person you are now forever. And not that I'm really concerned, but what happens to E. Elamis? Well, I mean, unfortunately, it's tradition that he is allowed his fairy love and as many mortal loves as he so chooses, but unfortunately you're probably holding up both of those slots at the moment, dear. Silpha also tells her father, I'm sorry I said anything mean about fairies that hurt you. (laughs) And he says, Sweetie, you mean everything to me, and if you hurt me, I'm sure I deserved it. And he gives you a little kiss on the forehead. Then I can show you. Without anyone being afraid that I'm a fairy. I just learned. She pulls from her component's pouch a glass vial that contains the carapace of a dragonfly and makes a motion through the air with it. And you see the the fur around Silpha's shoulders kind of converge and grow into a pattern. And then her cloak kind of wraps around her in this pale, marble-esque statue way. She throws her arms back and floats above the ground five feet on ten-foot wingspan wings that on the underside have this brilliant black and iridescent purple and blue color. And your dad could not look more proud. Aww. This is Mandy here with your mid-roll animal facts. Today we're going to talk about coral snakes to honor Cora, the Lunari coral snake. Corals are a large group of elapid snakes divided into Old World and New World corals. There are 16 known species of Old World and 65 known species of New World. Corals are most well known for their coloration of red, yellow, and black bands. There are a number of non-venomous mimics, including the scarlet snake, some king and milk snakes, and the shovel-nosed snake. There is a common mnemonic device they taught us kids in the South, so we would remember how to tell the difference. Red and black is a friend of Jack, but red and yellow will kill a fellow. 
Meaning, if the red and black bands are touching, you're looking at a non-venomous mimic, but if the red and yellow bands are touching, it's a coral. This device, however, is not completely accurate. It only applies to the New World corals. Old World corals can have red and black bands touching, as well as pink, blue, or white bands, or even no bands at all. In North America, the most common true corals are the Eastern Coral, Texas Coral, and Arizona Coral, all found in the southern United States. Most corals average 3 feet in length, though some can grow up to 5 feet. The more aquatic species have flattened tails to function as fins for swimming. Corals are elusive, mostly living in sparsely populated areas, feeding on smaller snakes, lizards, birds, frogs, and small rodents. They are non-aggressive and more likely to flee than attack. They account for less than 1% of annual venomous snake bites in the U.S., which is a good thing because coral snakes are among the most venomous snakes North America has to offer. The venom is a neurotoxin which paralyzes the breathing muscles, causing respiratory failure in humans within hours. Their fangs are hollow to fill with venom when they do bite, and they are also small, unable to penetrate thick leather boots. They can easily penetrate skin or thinner clothing, however, and because their fangs are small, coral snakes tend to bite and hold on, doing a sort of chewing action to deliver the full dose of venom. There is actually a shortage of coral antivenom in the United States due to a high cost of production, low number of bites ratio. Production was ceased, and the antivenom on hand had a shelf life that expired in 2008. So if you're in the U.S., folks, remember that mnemonic device. Red and black is a friend of Jack. Red and yellow will kill a fellow. Realistically, though, if you come across a red, black, and yellow banded snake, maybe just give it some room and leave it alone. Jalen would like to talk to Lady Miev and pull her aside for a little quiet chat. Sure. Lady Miev will follow you into a side room. Lady, I need to ask you some questions. You may remember we talked about the possibility that somebody made a deal on my behalf when I was a child. Yes, I think we talked about that. As the beneficiary of that deal, do I have any say in it? Say whether it continues or... Yes, after your age of adulthood, you can make any deal you wish. When is the age of adulthood? Well, unfortunately it varies. It's usually specified at the time of the agreement, but most fairy bargains default to age 21. That's too long. I mean, the other option is the person who made the deal can cancel it if you want it cancelled. Does cancelling have to be mutual between both sides? Or can one person cancel it? Mm, no, cancelling has to be mutual. Breaking it does not have to be mutual, but that comes with consequences. Does this require talking to the same person in the same place that it, the deal was made? I mean, what? No. So for you to be immune to this, and she, she looks around, and there, there's no one in this room. You don't have to say it out loud. We both know what we're talking about. Yes. For you to be immune to something like that, the deal could only come from, well... The highest... Her? Yes. The highest entity around. So the question is really just who else made it. And as far as I can tell, there's there's not too many choices there, is there? Well, I don't know. I don't know who made the deal, and I don't know what the terms were, and I need to find that out. Hmm. I have a suspicion who it was, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Well... It seems to be protecting you. Why do you want to get rid of it? Because the cost is too high. I see. I assume 
For you or for someone else? For me and someone else. Yes. Well, you'd, you'd have to know the terms to break them. I don't want to break the deal. I want to change it or call it off. I'm afraid the only ones that can do that would be whichever parent made this arrangement. Hmm. Look, if, if there's some way I can help you, do let me know. My family has a long history with these sort of things. There are records back at my house. We can do research. We can study past deals. We can, we can try to find a loophole. You said the willow trees would know. Yes. They're more of a legend at this juncture than... Actually, I'll tell you what. We have some say in our first mission once our project is complete. And one of the places we could go is the Willow. Jalen looks down and thinks about that for a second, and then she looks up and says, Yes, I would like that very much. All right. That'll be the first project, then. We can go tomorrow. We could go tomorrow. We need to wait till high noon to finish the enchantments tomorrow, but then we'll have to see how fast the golem can cut thorns, but we, we might be able to do it tomorrow. Do you know where to go to find the tree? Not quite, but she reaches into her... Her dress has pockets. She's rich. Rich and practical. (laughs) (laughs) All mages' dresses have pockets. (laughs) Yes. She reaches into her pocket and pulls out Guire's journal and says, I believe we have rough directions. Okay. Okay. Well, lady, that would be very good of you if we could do that first. All right. That'll be the plan. We'll do it first feel bad saying this, but don't make any deals that... Just remember, there's an opportunity here to take down the thorns for everyone. Don't don't forget. I haven't forgotten. All right. You have my full support. Just problem with working with a team. Yes, everybody needs something, and sometimes we have to make compromises. Jalen doesn't have an answer for that. She nods at your silence and just sort of heads out. And the two of you wind up back in your room where there's a letter from Sable. I bet Sable's not in there. Nope. It's got both of your names on it. It's written on paper that is just basically torn out of her journal and folded up and, and just left on your on your pillow. And here's what it says. It says, Silpha, I really am proud of you. Very proud. You have ambition and you display the strength and surety of purpose required to follow through and get what you want. I believe your life will be exciting, and I look forward to seeing you grow in power. Jalen, of course it will be you who legitimizes the work that, though they would never admit it, everyone knows keeps this kingdom running. You're as shrewd as they come, and with the support of your family and your new paramour, I suspect you may well be running half the kingdom soon. Aligning your two families will change our world. So much is opened up for you both. New lives, new alliances, and powers, and possibilities. When thrust into adulthood, suddenly you have both clearly thrived. And for that reason, for your commonalities and the powers of your families that you represent, fully understand why you have thrown yourself into the game this kingdom plays. Sadly, I cannot join you there. Since the moment Miev's work led her to my matron, and my matron chose to use that opportunity to architect her death and hand over her problems to me, I have been out of my element. My life has been constantly under direct threat first by my own family, then by the Fae Queen, and now by Master Wu in the circle he rules. All I have done since Matron Varathi died has been either to simply survive to the next day or to keep from being subsumed by the politics or social games you both play so well. 
To this end, I bring no family support, no alliances, no family strengths or bonds or marriage possibilities that will garner the kind of backing one needs to make way in this world. Neither do I have the preparation you have had. My life has been lived on the outskirts, and that is where I work best. I tell you this, you are my dearest friends, and I want the absolute best for you. I wish I had better support to provide you, but know that what I have to give will always be available to you. I'm going to find another place to stay, another room, that is, since I cannot return to the place I called home, because being around me will not help your respective causes, and because I do not want you involved in yet another set of assassination attempts. I will be fine, and I will be here to support you when you need it. Love, Sable. Jalen will look up at Silpha and say, what the fuck is she talking about? Exactly. I think Silpha and Jalen share a moment of, like, staring at each other and looking, and then, like, looking down at the letter. She's dismissing her own accomplishments? She's... Well, she's dismissing herself as valuable, and that's not... That's just not true. I mean, so she doesn't have her family backing her right now. Kind of, neither do I. What family she had was a pit of vipers. Neither of us associated with her because of her family. No, it was her. Do you think she left the estate? It sounds so, but where will she go, Jalen? It's long after dark. She can't, she can't get back to town. Should we go after her? I, I can't, I can't leave. You can't leave. Who's here? Why? Who is here? Who can Why come? would she leave? And and where would she go? Exactly. It's dangerous for her to be anywhere in town. Look, here is truly safe. Well, we think. I spoke with my parents. This is for all intents and purposes, the Embassy of the Summer Court. What? The Your whole f- family is Faye? No. Okay. Just, well, just one that I know of. Okay. Jalen, do you know what a changeling is? What would I roll, Nate? Nature? Nature is fairy knowledge. Twelve. That's pretty esoteric fairy knowledge, so I'm going to go with no. Probably there's been stories of changelings, but not any that she's read recently or something. Not really? I mean, I didn't know what fetches were either. When a fairy and a mortal have a child, the child is called a changeling. The changeling gets to decide at the age of adulthood whether they will permanently become human or become a fairy. Hmm. I'm a changeling. And Jalen thinks about this and says, Well, your mom is very pretty and flighty, and I guess that would make a measure of sense. <sighs> totally draws the wrong conclusion. <laughs> is, is this what was bothering your dad? At dinner? Yeah. Because he wants you to be human and your mom wants you to be... And then she stops and she says, No, your mother pushes human suitors on you. Why would your mom not want you to be a fairy if she's a fairy? Because she's not a fairy. Well, but that doesn't make any sense because you just said... (sighs) Ah, well, he hides it well, doesn't he? Okay, well... I guess this makes a lot of things that I've said in recent history a bit insensitive. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Contrition. 
Oh, okay. Anyways, I... I wanted to tell you both, but... Oh, we have to go through with the project tomorrow at noon. Sable needs to be there. Well, I suppose we could look for her on the estate tonight. Maybe she just didn't want to stay in this room. I'm, I mean, I, know, I realize that's optimistic at best, but we could go look for her without leaving the property. It sounds like she's still planning to be part of things. She just doesn't want to stay here. Why? Why is, why is she isolating herself again? Silpha, I think that's what Sable does. I mean, she grew up without ever being touched. Ever. I know, and I felt really guilty that all the things going on with her house, she was so alone in all of that. I think you and I could only act on what she told us, and she didn't tell us enough for us to be there for her. Well, she holds up Sable's letter and says, We either need to keep this safe or burn it. Well, it's met its purpose. We've both read it. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen will go to a candle and burn the letter and stamp it out. Okie doke. Should we just wait and see if she comes back in the morning? Well, she can turn into animals. Yeah. And I don't know. She could turn into a cat and sleep somewhere. Honestly, I worry. But I do know someone who could help us. Cora? Yes, let's let's go get Cora. Okay. So we go find Cora. I'm sorry, we go looking for Cora. I don't know if we find her. <laughs> we go looking. Yeah. So you know where Cora's room is. You can go knock, and she answers the door in a weird, lacy, one-piece pajama top thing and says, yeah. <laughs> Cora. What can I do for you? Gorgeous as usual. Yeah, I, th I think even Jalen looking at her is like, wow. <laughs> she kind of says, I'll be honest, I was hoping it was somebody else. Um, About that somebody else. So you, you haven't been with Sable and seen her very recently? No, a few hours ago she was in the hallway. and uh, But yeah, no, I haven't seen her in the last couple hours. She said she was going to go for a walk. And then she left a note that implied... She was leaving here, and she can't, Cora. She's... It's not safe. Hmm. Well, that will be disappointing, but tomorrow morning she's supposed to meet me for meditation, so... I'm sure she's around somewhere. Don't don't worry. So, the tone of her letter was very... It was very goodbye. Hmm. So nothing happened between you two? Mm, no, I don't think so. She seemed distracted and she asked for some space and I gave it to her. I, oh, okay. I think she was fine when I talked to her. Do you think you might be able to help us find her if she hasn't left the property? I cannot leave and I'm so worried for her. Well, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a very not a very good druid. I, I mean, like, there You're are... You're a druid? Yes, that's why I thought she and Sable would get on well. Never mind that our circles have been at war for a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are better ones, for sure. I'm not sure I'd be able to find her if she didn't want to be found. Jayla's next question, because she's met Master Wu, and he introduced himself as being the archdruid of the Circle of the Land. And Sable just made a reference in this letter to him trying to kill her. Jalen's going to say, are you part of the the circle of the... 
that Wu guy? I mean, Master Wu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Archdruid Wu is a. He kind of runs the different monthly rituals. He's sort of the. I don't know. High, high priest might be the term you would use. We call him the Archdruid. He's. He seems a reasonable chap. He he works over at the Frikers estate. Jalen's gonna do a phrenemic gesture to Silpha. It's like a little finger on her cheek, which is mourning. And then she'll say to Cora, uh, "That's that's really fascinating." I guess I don't know. I don't know why the the druids haven't been very well. Haven't been very powerful. We can't really get into the nature. I I work in an orchard. Master Wu is a a gardener. Thalia is an apothecary, and most of the rest of them are just I don't know churchgoers almost. Hmm. <laughs> this is an out of character question. You said like druids in name, not in practice. Is that what you meant? They have no power essentially. Uh, yeah. they're, they're, they don't cast spells. They're farmhands. Yeah. They're circle of the land, and the land's kind of fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... the ones that can actually do magic are Corathalia, Wu, Carolina, and Wu. Yeah. Mm. And she didn't mention Carolina. They're basically farmers, essentially. Like, so they're fourth level or fifth level druids who cannot turn into animals overwhelmingly. And apparently they have some followers who are literally just farmers. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Jalen will look at Cora and say, if, if you see her, will you, will you tell her that we're looking for her, we're worried about her, please? Yeah, absolutely. If she shows up tomorrow, I'll let her know. If I see her around, I'll uh, I'll make sure she's okay. Thanks. And we'll leave her there. Okay. You cannot imagine that that nightgown is terribly comfortable to sleep <laughs> in. <laughs> I don't think it's for sleeping. <laughs> when we get back to the bunk room, Jalen's just going to say, I don't like any of this. Silpha, I, I... Do you think she was told by someone... To leave? Sable? Yeah. No, this sounds like Sable decided to do something on her own, and I don't know why. I don't know what's going through her head, but Cora spent the entire afternoon and evening paying a lot of very exclusive attention to Sable, and now I'm suspicious of that, so... What do you think she meant by Master Wu is trying to kill her? Well, it's led to believe... That the two circles have been in opposition. She mentioned that Master Wu wanted her to completely disband the Circle of the Moon and mm-hmm. to cut down Tree, and she would not. If she is the last remaining Circle of the Moon, then perhaps he's tried to seize an opportunity to get what he wants to end the Circle devoted to the Fairy Queen. Based on what Sable told us at House Mason, dissolving the Circle of the Moon could have huge ramifications. Catastrophic consequences. Yes. Going back a thousand years. I wonder if he knows that. I have no idea. Because Jalen's going to say, we need to write that note to Leslie and ask her to come, if that's all right with you. And I need to write a note to Lynn. You know what? If Sable isn't here tomorrow... Leslie can stand in for her. I I wasn't suggesting we replace Sable 
Silpha, I just... But I suppose you're right. Let's see if she turns up tomorrow. I just... It comes back to what I've said before. I don't know how to protect her from herself. No, and you're right. I don't know why she's run off. She could have put herself in even more danger. I don't know whether she's scared or being selfish. I, I don't... I don't know how to read this. And I don't know how to respond to it until I know the answer to that question. We can't operate on what we don't know, and there is so much she doesn't tell us. I struggle. We said we wouldn't keep secrets from each other, and I have tried my best to uphold that. You've probably been the best of all three of us at that. Well, why don't we wake up at dawn? We have until noon. Sylpha is making a face like... She wants to tell a grown-up, but we are adults. <laughs> when all the grown-ups in our life ha lives have a history of being like, don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me your dangerous information that could get me killed for knowing it. It's on you. You deal with it. <laughs> Plus, we don't know who, how many grown-ups are trying to kill Sable right now. That's the thing. It's like, we're, we're not even sure at the Lunaria state who to trust, so... Well, I think Silpha is very comfortable there and trusting of most people in a way that Jalen probably is not. Right. Because mm -hmm. I don't really worry about vicious backstabbing house politics <laughs> like other people have to. <laughs> yeah, Jalen would be like, I, I don't think we can do anything tonight. All right, then, that letter to Leslie. Let's start. Sylpha, maybe you could suggest if she's feeling well enough again, maybe she could bring Jessica with her. And also make it clear that Nobody should know that we're here, unless the cat's already out of the bag on that, but I don't know. Mm, well, I'm sure I can construct some sort of reason for Leslie to come to the Lunari estate. I'm not sure if the alibi would work as well for Lady Jessica. I'm sure Leslie will think of something and get her here on the down low. And I'll write a little note to Lynn, so I don't want him to worry. Even though we're probably doing plenty to worry about. <laughs> he doesn't even know we're enemies in the fairy <laughs> So I guess Jalen will write a note to Lynn and Silpha's writing a note to Leslie. So we compose notes. We invite <laughs> NPCs. We are terrified for our friend and we don't know what to nope. do, so we're going to write notes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because the person with like a find object or find person spell is, is the one who doesn't want to be found right now. the one right who doesn't want to be found, and furthermore, I don't want to like run like a tattletale to Lady Miev and be like, Lady Miev, Lady Miev, yeah. Sable's disappeared. So, Sable for the night, where are you staying? Well, she was going to go see if she could find space in workers' quarters. There gotta be people that work the orchards. So, this was technically a party night, so morning, folks sleep in. Except for me, because I'm supposed to be meeting Cora at dawn. So you can get to the meditation spot a little, little after dawn, and Cora strides in a little bit late. She's back in her overalls, sits down on kind of one of the rocks, and gives you a, a big smile and says, oh, your friends are looking for you, just, you know, so you know, they're probably not awake yet. Probably not. Do you have a given morning meditation? And she says, no, I just like to be out here and breathe in the, the smell of the flowers. She kind of pulls her legs in crisscross and closes her eyes and just breathes. Okay, so I think that 
Sable has something that when she has the luxury of being able to just sit and enjoy a sunrise or sit and enjoy the dawn, she would have something specific that she would do in order of like giving thanks, something that she's learned from growing up in the Brathy household, which is a household of druids. Much more powerful druids. Yeah. There's one good way that she could be of worth here, and that is if there are any places in the land that are having problems that the soil is starting to wear or the water isn't getting to the roots where it should, things along those lines, she'd very deliberately look for that kind of thing. You can use plant growth in some early fruit trees Mm -hmm. that haven't really reached maturity yet. So you can find some spots to contribute. And basically, Cora goes directly from meditation to bee tending. So then Cora doesn't say anything about, like, the activity? She doesn't take a lot of notice, honestly. She was very much in her own mind this morning. Okay. Miev is seen around the farm starting around 9 or 10 a.m., moving a lot of stuff. Riley is carrying heavy objects, and they seem to have basically staked out a barn space kind of away from the house and are actively setting things up for later. Jalen and Silpha, what's your morning plans? Well, I think we're going to track Katie down before she leaves with the letter for Kylan and also give her the letters for Lynn and Leslie. The one to Lynn is pretty simple. I didn't actually write anything out, but she's basically, she alludes to being on the down low, safer if he doesn't know where she is. My sister Leslie can be a contact point if you need anything. Okay. And that's what she sends to him, and I'll be in touch when I can. Katie moves at double a normal person's speed. She real fast. So mm-hmm. as soon as you hand over the messages, she's she's very gone. She's gone with a little smoke trail. Of yeah, it's kind of cool. want to even. cast Longstrider on Katie just so she moves like. <laughs> so she can get to zip across the kingdom faster. in the blink of an eye. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's ridiculous. Marathon runner at sprinting speeds, and away she goes. Anything else you want to do this morning? Otherwise, you've got about three hours to kill. I think Jalen's going to find something she can do to help around the estate. Like, she's she's gotten, you know, she spent the day before kind of getting the vibe on the place and realizes it's like work, 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 and then party, party, party. So she would like to figure out how she can help with the work. She does have butchering experience, if that means anything. <laughs> uh, terrifying. <laughs> Wait, and she might even ask. She might be like, where am I useful? <laughs> so I think you run into Aunt Gina, who you basically are like, what can I do? And I think she follows that up with, are you capable of anything? <laughs> I think she blinks at that and says, I'm offering to help. If there's nothing I can do to help, you only need to say so. She says, uh, look, sure, you, you can help. I just assumed you... That I sit on my ass all day and do nothing? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I assumed. So what, what are your skills? I have some fighting skills. I have some butchering skills. Well, you must know some things about, like, yeah, butchering, fur, knife sharpening, yeah, trapping. Okay. She probably knows something about leather, processing leather. I got a job for you then. All right. We have thorn cutters heading out north today, and they're going to be circling around east 
for pretty much the entire day. So you don't have to cut any thorns, but yeah, if anything comes out and threatens them, murder it immediately. <laughs> and if it's edible, bring it back. I love it. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, and she'll find Silpha and tell her what she's been given to do and be like, you want to come? I'm actually going to be helping some of the servants tidy and continue hostessing. All right, I'll see you around noon. Jalen, roll survival. Oh, shit. That's not one of my skills. <laughs> it's okay. Eleven. Eleven. All right. Things do come out of the thorns. Mm-hmm. The thorn cutters do the thing that all thorn cutters do, which is they pull blankets and flap at them. And you are able to dissuade things that way. Mm -hmm. You don't run into a swole wolf or anything that happens to be truly dangerous today. No dragons. Okay. Yeah. Does she kill anything that's edible, though? I think you get a squirrel snake. <laughs> mm hmm. A squake? <laughs> yeah. It's basically a snake with a bushy tail and like 30 <laughs> squirrel legs. Either way I imagine it, it sounds grotesque. It's either like a really long... It's a snurtipede. That's a squirrelipede. Squirrelipede. <laughs> oh, you don't want to run into a squirrelpean. Squirrelpean. A, a squirrel a with like a scorpion stinger on its tail. Are you kidding? She'll harvest the poison. <laughs> yeah. And you get some kind of goat thing. Probably was a goat that got lost in the thorns at some point. But it, it has... So many extra limbs. None of them are goaty. It's really hard to figure out what happened to this creature. But it wanders out grazing grass, and you're like, hey, lunch. Hmm. Yep, all right. Cool. Probably about like 10.30 or 10, 10 or 10.30. She'll probably need to leave them and head back to the estate. So she'll go back with the goat thing draped over her shoulders. I will approach the smith. Okay. So yeah, you find Daisy Smith. Daisy has uh, armadillo plates running down her back and is essentially wearing like a tank top with holes in it, like with a fully exposed back pretty much, and has a massive hammer and is a incredibly burly woman. Daisy. Yeah. Oh, Sofa. Hey, what can I do for you? I have an important job I'd like to commission from you. Okay, what you got? I'm going to be needing a replica of this necklace. I need it reproduced. She kind of looks at it and says, uh, fancier than I usually do, but I think I can pull something off. So, like, Silpha's idea is if she's presented with, like, a block of wood, she can have Gina intricately do the, like, carving. Or hell, she could even have Sable intricately do the carving of the uh, detail of the necklace, and then she can transmute it back into metal. Mm -hmm. You work out with Daisy a plan where you essentially are going to take a block of metal that she's gotten into roughly the right shape. You're going to convert it into wood and give it to a wood carver. And so her, she's just basically making little metal, basically thin rectangles for you, or thin metal circles for you. And you're going to come back with them in roughly the right shape. And then she puts in an order for some of the other, like, finery things that go on here, like pearls, etc. It's going to be real expensive to find those. Yeah. Pearls will be a thing. But yeah, she essentially 
spends the morning with you. So basically pounding bits of silver into the appropriate, roughly the right shapes, and kind of helping you get them trimmed so that they're ready, and then passing them to you. So you, you have a bag of silver, small silver plates and coins, essentially, by the time she's done. And she says, I'll work on the chain. Excellent. And Silpha will give her some portion of the payment she's owed. Another thing Silpha would do before it's noon, she will make rubbings of the necklace so that the the detail can be replicated completely by the woodcarver. One additional thing, an animal messenger, you know, whatever animal I can find, small animal, that I'm going to send to Yennefer, and it'll say, message from Sable, Wu tried to kill me, might attack family, druidic rivalry. Please watch out. I will keep my distance. Okay. You find a a vole, like a little ground squirrel thing, and send it off. Cool. All right. So it's noon. You gals can gather in front of this barn. The Lady Miev is there, so I don't think Silpha says anything in this moment. Okay. But she drops a phrenemic statement that means we need to talk. I think Jalen will do the phrenemic, are you okay? Yeah. And worried. She'll just say it out loud. She'll say, no, pretty much half of everyone I know is trying to kill me. I'm not okay. We're not trying to kill you. No, you're not. And that's why I'm here. Jalen's going to grab Sable's elbow and kind of pull her a little... She goes. ...away out of Mia's earshot and said, Sable, I... You're not alone in this if you don't want to be... But we can't be here for you if you won't let us. Do you understand that? And we want to be here for you, Sable. And you keep pushing away. We're not friends with you because of who your family is. But the people that you are making influence with, they'll care. What are you talking about with Master Wu? What did you mean by that? I mean, he tried to kill me. I mean, he came out to Ward Tree and called down lightning on me. Jalen gets visibly cold at this. He is the master of a druidic circle that hates the druidic circle that I am the only member of now. If he kills me, he kills that. He kills a thousand years of tradition, and I don't know what that brings down, and I don't like having that particular weight on my back. I also don't want to put it on yours. Well, tough titties. What I said I meant. You're doing really well. I'm going to be a weight around your shoulders. I'm gonna be a problem. Where's this coming from? The fact that half of my grove burned down in the week and a half that I was Baroness, and then I get kicked out? There was a whole court that watched it. I'm just saying that as long as you're here, and you're trying to build influence here, and you're trying to gain power here, in you know, walking around with me is not gonna help. What I, what we are trying to do, is liberate people and open this kingdom. For the benefit of everyone. You know, frankly, Sable, it's going to take a lot more than you getting knocked down to the bottom of your family's totem pole for me not to want to be your friend. And I'm sorry, that might be inconvenient for you, but that's just the way it's going to go. I think you're being weighted down by the fact that our world is so small. I want to cut through those thorns as badly as any of you. But staying here just means I'm going to die. I'll be the laughingstock of the nobility. And someone will get me killed. That has been made abundantly clear. I want out. Well, then we're in agreement that we can continue. And I can be your friend. 
Our heroes stand at the precipice of victory. In the ten-foot by ten-foot storage shed, a massive circle and hexagram is bricked out on the floor of the shed. At each of the five points lies a portion of the items of power our heroes have accumulated for the enchanting. In the center, the assembled golem looks more like a roughly assembled effigy of a nine-foot-tall man with four arms. Two end in open nozzles, and two in hands that clutch a massive steel scythe. Across this construct's body is written the Muriel Frikers. In one corner of the warehouse stands Miev, prepared to surge arcane power of wizardry into the circle, and on the other stands Carolina, prepared to surge the divine magic of the druids. But Skrix has warned them. The spirit world is closing in and has opinions on the outcome of this project. And that is our show. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. We love them, and they make our day. Special thanks to Julie at Elaborate Flight of Fancy for our logo, and Todd Ferguson at My Pet Machine for our tunes. You can find them both on Facebook. Will our heroes complete this last step to unlock the thorns to mortal travel, or will they find a world of pain? Find out next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. While Silpha was giving her presentation, she has the major image spell, and what she should have done instead of pulling out a folio of charts and graphs is cast the major image spell, projected an image of charts, graphs, a map into the ether, and been the world's first PowerPoint wizard. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, if Silpha had noticed how she was flirting with Sable, I'm sure... Silpha would have been like, Cora, you need to take it down a notch for this girl. It took me like two weeks to become her friend just by scooting my desk closer and closer to hers. And then say, <laughs> I like your trapper keeper. <laughs> and Nate is nothing but a head of fluffy curls. <laughs> and a blanket. <laughs> yep, that's my whole life here in quarantine. Fluffy curls. Fluffy curls. Fluffy curls and ringlets. Kind of got like the 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 prince um prince valiant. Well, no, prince yeah. valiant didn't have curly hair. You get fingertip curls. Fingertip curls. Mm -hmm. It's princess hair. <laughs> mm -hmm.